Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, our journey through the story of the Bible in 16 verses takes us, as we said at the start of the service, to the day Jesus died, to Good Friday. Maybe you're asking yourself, if you were here last week, well, we just saw Jesus come to earth. And yes, we're missing a huge chunk of Jesus' life and all of the things that he did. Maybe this is a good time just to remind you, even though we've summarized the Bible in 16 verses, in no way was this meant to replace all of the things that the Bible contains. Like, you really only need 16 verses of the Bible. It's a good summary, a good summary of what Jesus has done. And today we get to see in Jesus' own words a beautiful statement from that cross that our salvation is finished. One of the things I pray comes through in our sermon series throughout the course of the summer is this idea of themes that run through the Bible. It's amazing when you think about the fact that the Bible is a book that was written by over 40 men. And a period of time in which it was written spans about 1,500 years. And yet, despite all of the different authors and all of the years that the Bible spans, there is one consistent message through the entire Bible. And the layers of these different teachings that come through, like the idea of kingdom and redemption and substitution, those things are carried out by different authors to guarantee that this is exactly what God wants for you. Today, one of the themes that seems to run through the Bible is this idea of a tree. Trees really are beautiful parts of God's creation, aren't they? I can't remember how old I was. But at one time, my family took a trip to California, and we went to the Big Trees State Park, where these giant sequoia trees are. And there's one tree, which actually has a section cut out of it, where people could, for some years, drive through the tree. You could walk through it or take your bike through it as well. Just out of curiosity, anybody been to the giant sequoias? Raise your hand if you want. Okay. If it's on your bucket list, let me apologize right now for bringing this up. In 2017, this tree was downed by a storm, so it's no longer there. But there are others, not that you can drive through, but that have places to walk through. It's amazing. It's 33 feet in diameter, hundreds of years old, they know the tree is. Again, amazing that God could put something like that on earth. Today, we're going to talk about trees again. I want to take you back with me just for a moment, all the way back to creation. And at creation, God in the Garden of Eden put two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you remember what happened at that latter tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That's the place where the sad disobedience of Adam and Eve occurred, plunging all of the human race into helplessness and hopelessness. It's at that tree that God made his very first promise that he was going to save mankind through a Messiah who was coming. And so today, we find ourselves looking at a tree again. Only this tree has been stripped of all of its branches and leaves been fashioned into a cross. The means of execution that the Roman government reserved for the worst of criminals. 
And that's where we find Jesus. Hanging on a cross, on the tree of the cross. The only person who has lived a truly innocent life ever in this world is hanging on a cross as the worst of all criminals. So today, we want to answer the question, why? Why is Jesus on that tree? Why is the sinless Son of God dying as a horrible criminal? And Jesus tells us the answer in one word, the word finished. That's what Jesus tells you and me today about our salvation, about what he came to this earth to do. It's finished. And in that word, we see that, that our debt, the debt that we owe God because of our sins, is completely paid. And that the mission that Jesus came to this earth to accomplish is complete. Listen again with me to that one verse, John chapter 19, verse 30, which will serve as the basis of our sermon today. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know what day this is, Good Friday. We call it Good Friday not because of what happened to Jesus, but because of the blessings that are ours through what Jesus did on that cross. And yet, as I said, we just last week saw Jesus arrive on the scene. And so what happened in those three years in between the time that Jesus came and that Jesus was put on that cross? Well, Jesus kept doing what he came to do. He was preaching to the people proclaiming the good news of salvation that was found in him. And then Jesus was backing up that good news, the gospel message of salvation in him by the things that he was doing, putting on full display his power as the Son of God. Do you remember God's promise to Adam and Eve back at that tree in the Garden of Eden? That there would be a seed of the woman who would come to crush the serpent's head? Jesus demonstrated his power over Satan by driving out demons. He demonstrated his power as the Son of God by showing that nature was under his control. He showed his compassion as the Savior by healing people and even raising people from the dead. But Jesus didn't come to earth just to display his power, just to demonstrate that he was the Son of God. He came to be our substitute too. And Jesus did everything, everything required by the law of God to live perfection in your place and in mine. With all of the great things that Jesus was doing, with his perfect life, with all of the healing that he was accomplishing, how is it that he had enemies? How is it that people wanted to send Jesus to the cross? It goes back to the idea of king, what the Messiah was going to be like when he came to this earth. And there were people who simply couldn't accept that Jesus was the promised Messiah, especially the religious rulers of the day. In their jealousy, they looked for ways to trap Jesus, to trick him, to discredit him. But at every turn, they were unable to do so. So they plotted. They plotted and carried out his execution, his crucifixion, his death on a cross. 
Again, we might ask the question, how? How did the perfect son of God, who was doing all of these great things and bringing such a message of salvation, how could he be so misunderstood and so mistaken? People simply weren't looking for a savior who would be suffering. They simply weren't looking for someone who was going to take their place and die on the tree of a cross. By this time, the prevailing theory was that the Messiah who was coming into the world was going to be a political savior. He was going to overthrow the Roman rule. He was going to be a conqueror. For some reason, people missed Isaiah's prophecy that we talked about a few weeks back where God promised that the Messiah who was going to come would suffer, that he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace would be put upon him. If you want to get a little taste of the thirst that people had for this conquering hero, you only need to rewind the days about five to Palm Sunday, five days before Good Friday. That's when the people thought they were getting exactly what they thought was coming when the Messiah came. When Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem and they they sang his praises and cast their cloaks and their palm branches on his path, they thought they were celebrating their hero, someone who would come and crush the Roman rule. See, Jesus' purpose in coming to this life wasn't celebrity. He didn't want to be celebrated as someone who would only crush the Roman rule. No, Jesus had a a far higher purpose in coming to this life. On the screen, I put the words of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where in his own words, Jesus says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was Jesus' purpose in coming into this world, to make a payment, to make a payment for what you and I owed. Jesus spilled his blood on the tree of that cross so that you and I stand before God with our record of sin completely expunged. Your sin is gone. Jesus did exactly what God sent him to do. He crushed Satan's head. And your salvation is free. But it certainly wasn't cheap, was it? In Jesus, in the prophecy of Jesus that God gave in the Garden of Eden, he said that Satan would strike Jesus' heel. We certainly see that in the agony that Jesus suffered on the cross. After all that suffering, as Jesus' life was coming to a close, he uttered one single word in the original Greek language. Yes, we translate it with three words. It is finished. But the Greek word simply is tetelestai. Telus is a goal. And tetelestai is the idea of something being fully met, accomplished, complete. That's what Jesus was saying from the cross. Finished. Everything that he set out to do was now complete. Interestingly enough, this word, tetelestai, has been found on pieces of parchment and papyrus throughout the Roman world. When someone finished paying off a debt that they owed, the word that was written at the bottom of that papyrus or parchment was tetelestai. 
It's finished. It's paid in full. That's exactly what Jesus was saying from the cross. It's a minor difference, but notice that just Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. The payment was complete. Your salvation and mine is secured. Do you get the sense that all summer, this is the moment we've been building to? This is the moment we've been waiting for, the moment when the Messiah not only arrived on the scene, but completed what God sent him to do? This is the culmination of all of those years of waiting, of all of the time spent looking at God's promises, looking ahead to this Messiah who would come. Jesus says, I'm here. And not only am I here, but what I came to do is finished. It's accomplished. You and I live with complete confidence because of that one word that Jesus uttered from the cross. Jesus suffered horribly on that cross, even suffering the agony of hell for you and me when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But after the suffering, Jesus' cry was a cry of victory. It is finished. It's, it's not resignation. It's Jesus saying, complete. It's all done. So what is it that Jesus completed on that cross? Go back to the concept that people had of the Savior that was coming into the world, that somehow he was going to be the political ruler that was going to make their life easier. Maybe it's a good time to ask ourselves, do we ever think of Jesus that way? Oh, sure, we recognize that, that Jesus is our Savior. But maybe are there times where we wonder, why doesn't Jesus make my life a little bit easier? Why doesn't Jesus take away the cancer? Why doesn't Jesus make all of the troubles of this world go away? Why doesn't Jesus help me from not having to worry about so many different things that go on in this life? See, we have the wrong idea of a savior from time to time too, don't we? That's why it's so important to hear Jesus' words, to come back to Jesus' purpose, the reason that he was here on this, on this world. And that reason was to settle a debt, a debt that you and I owed to God. And what is owed to God is our very life. The wages of sin, Paul wrote to the Romans, is death. But that wage, that debt, it's been paid. It's been paid by your Savior Jesus on the cross. I imagine on Good Friday as Jesus was hanging on that cross, his enemies must have thought that they had triumphed, that somehow they had finally gotten rid of Jesus once and for all. But Jesus' final word from that cross demonstrates that he did this all willingly for you and for me. To Telestai, he said, it is finished. As you leave our worship today, my prayer is that that word will kind of stick in your head and in your heart. To just hear again and again that everything that was needed for you to stand before God holy and blameless, it was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. There is nothing in regard to your salvation or mine that's left for us to do. Because the price has been paid and Jesus' mission is accomplished. Every day, 
No matter what comes in your life or mine, nothing can change what Jesus has already done. That cry of victory is a cry that you can hear and hold on to and believe every single day. That because your sins are paid in full, you will stand with your God and live with your Savior Jesus forever in heaven. That's the mission Jesus accomplished. The Apostle John in his first epistle wrote it this way. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's what Jesus did. The devil is defeated. You're an heir of eternal life with your Savior all through Jesus and his finished salvation. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, Jesus willingly went to the cross to suffer for us. This is an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? That all that suffering that Jesus did, he did willingly. It was Jesus who said, greater love has no one than this, that he give up his life for his friends. It's exactly what Jesus did. Number two, Jesus' cry, it is finished, assures us that our sins are paid in full. The death that sin should earn has been replaced by the gift of God that is eternal life. Finally, number three, Jesus' mission to seek and to save is fully accomplished. You hear it in that word, that one word that Jesus uttered to Telestai. And Jesus invites you to an eternal life with him in heaven and gives you the right to eat from the tree of life, which means you will live forever with him. I'm not sure which of the two you are, and I won't ask anyone to embarrass themselves, but there are people in this life that are so task-oriented that they cannot stop until the task that they begin is finished. And then there are others who have so many projects going on at the same time, they're not even sure which one they should try to finish first. I don't know which one you are. I was surprised to find out this week, I had never heard this, maybe some of you had, that one of the most famous portraits of George Washington, the one that ended up on the $1 bill, is actually an unfinished work of art. The artist, his last name is Stuart, painted, well, a portion of that portrait in 1796. And then it was commissioned as part of the dollar bill, and so he never bothered to finish the painting. The most famous painting, portrait of George Washington, never got finished. How thankful you and I can be that Jesus leaves no mystery as to whether or not his task on the cross is finished. He said it in no uncertain terms. It is finished. Your sins are paid in full. Jesus accomplished his mission. Hear that word of Jesus Find comfort in its truth and celebrate the joy of heaven forever. To Telestai, it is finished. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.